Told you it was a big series for softball to try and get the win two out of three. Pretty good against Wichita State, one of the best offensive teams in the country. They were held down by Georgina Corrick on Friday. 14 strikeouts, and the offense had it going. And the early drama of not if but when Alexis Johns would set the single season mark for stolen bases took care of itself quickly. Runner goes, pitch is low, throw is low, and Johns has another steal. She's at second with nobody out. And for Alexis Johns, steal number 39 on the season. And that's a USF record. 39 out of 40. They've got it up on the scoreboard here. Jim Lauk had the call. That one was airing on Bulls Unlimited 2. And there were three two RBI hits in this game. She would come around on the first. Line drive, base hit. That's going to go all the way to the wall in right center field. Johns will score. Piero will score. It's a two-run double for Epperson, and it's two to nothing Bulls. Just laced it the other way. Cork would strike out the side in the top of the second. And you knew the Bulls were going to win once they got a certain lead. Again, you want to get more than a one or two run lead, which is usually enough for George when you're going up against Wichita. Well, it would become a five run lead in the bottom of the second. Big time homer and then big time speed from Johns. Check out this. Line drive toward left. Going back. This ball's hit well. It's out of here. Alana Rivera. Her first of the season, and it's four to nothing, South Florida. That ball got out of here in a hurry. Bulls with a chance to build a big lead here. They're already up four. Fly ball center field. Barnard drifting back, going back still, makes the catch on the warning track. And Johns is going to try to score from second, and she made it. Alexis Johns turns a fly ball into center into a sacrifice fly as she scores from second. It's five to nothing. Not only did she do that, but she beat the throw easily. That was incredible. Now, Addison Barnard, who is a tremendous player, not going to say she was being lazy, but she had no concept that Johns was going to try and score, so she didn't really rush the throw in. There's no way you're going to get her going to third as she was tagging and Barnard was going back to the wall, but that little bit of a wobble on the throw allowed the Bulls speedster to come around. She would get three steals in this game, and I tell you, there was a little bit of back and forth a lot with Wichita's fans and the umpires. There was one play it looked like she actually got pegged for what would have just been the second time all season. Well, speaking of pegs, another home run completed the scoring. Fly ball hit well toward left. That is out of here. Home run, Jordan Cadlove. And the Bulls blow this out to a 7-1 lead. Up in the air to left. And that ball cleared the fence by a good margin. And again, that was more than enough for Georgina Korak to work with. So a complete effort all the way around for the Bulls. Wichita State held to one home run. And by the way, only one of the runs was earned, which still sent Georgina Korak's ERA up, which is hilarious. Shows you how incredible she's done. She did not get the start on Saturday, which was interesting because last weekend against a frankly inferior to Wichita opponent, East Carolina, she did. So how would that work out? The Sunday game you'll hear was a loss where the Bulls had their chances, but Wichita made some great plays on defense. This was the opposite. So really, if you add it all up, 
Wichita probably deserved a game. This looked like it was going to be the one they would get because they had the lead on a homer in the third, but they also had the bases loaded in the first. Aaron Pepping gets out of it with a full count fly out. Pepping gives up a two-out double in the second and gets relieved by Lexi Kopka, who comes in to get the above 500 hitting leadoff batter Sidney McKinney on a strikeout swinging. So that was a big moment. Again, Wichita got a run in the top of the third, but it was answered by the Bulls. We don't have highlights of this as we did not broadcast this. We had football and baseball going on at the same time. But Desiree Maldonado sliced a double, and Alexis Johns would single up the middle to make it a one-all game. And then Megan Piero blasts a home run. 3-1 to one was the score. Again, more runners on base. Bases loaded for Wichita State, but a great catch by Megan Sheehan in left field keeps it. The Bulls on top, 3-1. to one. Wichita would hit a homer to lead off the fifth. Antoinette Hill would come in. Her first pitch is a hit-by-pitch. And then Wichita would tie it up with a single. It's 3-3. Three to three. One out, two on, but Hill gets out of it. Bottom of the fifth, Bulls had their chances, didn't score. Big double play ball for the Bulls in the top of the sixth. So they've got the momentum. And in the bottom half of the sixth, Desiree Maldonado's second double of the game ripped down the left field line, scores a couple of pinch runners. Alana Rivera and Emma Humplick had both singled. And then guess who pitches the seventh? Georgina Korik. One, two, three, she gets the save. And at that point, frankly, you never want to assume, especially against a good team, a series victory. But the way they were getting out of jams, you had to assume. Sunday, it was just the flip side. Shockers left 10 on base Saturday. Didn't get too many base runners against Georgina Cork, but two solo homers. And the way the game started, you figured the Bulls were definitely going to win because Alexis Johns gets another stolen base. This one hotly contested. Looking back at the replay, the throw was a great throw. Definitely beat her but she got in under the tag. Well, well, Wichita State fans were really jonesing for one victory from Tampa because you'll hear what their display was. And then we'll skip towards the end of the ongoing at-bat, an 11-pitch at-bat that comes in the Bulls' favor. So, yeah, this was a good start and not so good if you're on the other side. I wouldn't be surprised if Alexis Johns takes off right on this first pitch. She had a great jump on that last pitch right there. She takes off. She is, they, she's safe. Wow, looked like the throw beat her. The umpire was right there, ball to Bargetta. And this was such a close play, I would not be surprised if they challenge it. And you can hear it. The fans are screaming. And it looked like the throw beat her. With that being said, the umpire was right there. And it looked like this tag was between the hands of Piero. It looks like they may take a look at it. But in this situation right here, and you can hear it, the fans are giving the umpires an earful. Here's the 3-2. That ball's fouled again. And ABs like this can be so encouraging to an offense and discouraging to a pitcher in defense because the math just shows you that the longer an at-bat goes, the better chance you have to get a base hit when you see so many pitches over and over again. We've seen a multitude of pitchers in Cooper's repertoire just in this at-bat alone. Here's the 3-2, that ball's rifled down the right field by the right fielder. 
Johns is going to touch third. She's going to score. It's an RBI double for Megan Sheehan, and USF leads 1-0. Great call by Jay Retcher, and again, that was an 11-pitch at bat, so you figured the Bulls were in the right spot with Georgina Corrick pitching. But ironically, the Wichita State Shockers, who definitely came in with the offensive numbers, get a win where they only scored two runs because that was it for the Bulls. Most certainly had their chances. Two big defensive plays on Wichita State side. One coming in the bottom of the fourth. That ball's hit. All caught by the shortstop and doubled off a of second base is Consolazio. Oh, man. Epperson hit it well. The shortstop, McKinney, leapt, caught the ball, doubled off Consolazio at second base, and that'll do it for the Bulls here in the fourth inning. Now, Sidney McKinney is used to making some great plays, so that could not have been such a surprise. This one really could have changed things, though. As you'll hear Jay say, maybe a home run taken away, and then we'll skip right to the very next pitch to start off the six. Kind of a big swing here. Fastball hit pretty darn well to left center field. Oh, a diving catch by the center fielder, Lucas, robbing Alexis Johns of extra base hits. What an unbelievable play from the center fielder, Lucas. You just got to tip your hat on that one, and outfielder doing something like that. If that ball gets by her, that's likely an inside-the-park home run. Here's the first pitch from Cork, and that ball's hit well to right field. Back goes Johns, and that ball is gone. Apo Taco on the first pitch for Jones. And Wichita State takes a 2-1 lead. They had also homered in the fourth to tie things up, and really the Bulls didn't do much in the bottom of the sixth or the seventh. So credit to their freshman pitcher, Allison Cooper. But the Bulls still get the series win at 5-4 and four in the conference. They're not going to be able to win this thing. It's really lining up for UCF well now because actually the Bulls helped them to maintain their hold on first place, even if... When those two teams, UCF and Wichita State, meet up, let's say the Shockers take two of three, the Knights will still have the advantage. So really, that series lines the Bulls up to be in second place. And guess what? The way it's running, it'll be the Bulls and Wichita State meeting up in the semifinals of the American, but also the way it's gone. Thanks to the Bulls' big wins in non-conference play, Michigan, Wisconsin, especially Oklahoma State they are going to make the NCAA tournament. It's about just finishing strong. And really one thing to keep an eye on is that second pitching spot. Lexi Kopko and Antoinette Hill did a nice job, but Aaron Pepping did not get out of the second inning. I'm pretty sure that the Bulls would like her to be able to go further in games. And, of course, once you get to the conference tournament, you're probably going to need a second pitcher. And the NCAA regionals, even though last year the Bulls went with Georgina Corrick until essentially she couldn't go anymore, you still want to have more options. And that's going to be something that we keep an eye on the rest of the way. Those second games of series are going to be important. And, hey, if you can hold them to three runs like the Bulls did on Saturday, in fact, they held the Shockers to eight runs total. The Shockers have scored eight runs in a game, minimum, 17 times this year. So the Bulls pitching certainly did the job. It was the only series that wasn't a sweep all weekend long as Houston is 7-1-1 after sweeping East Carolina. Yes, that means they're in second place, but guess what? They played the three teams in the bottom of the league. They have not played the Bulls or the Knights or the Shockers, so that is going to be temporary unless, well, Houston decides to prove me wrong. Technically, the Bulls are in fourth place right now, but again, Houston, you'd have to think, is going to lose some games combined between UCF, Wichita, and eventually the Bulls. 
but also you think Wichita will probably drop one to UCF and knock below the Bulls. Does it really matter if the Bulls finish second or third? I say no, because again, it's going to be the Shockers and the Bulls. Their first round conference tournament opponent would be pretty similar, whether it's East Carolina or Memphis. And again, they're both going to the NCAA tournament unless one really falls apart. We'll talk more about the details of those games on our conference show around the American on Wednesday. Now let's turn our attention to baseball as here we give you extended highlights from the weekend against Tulane, many of them from Sunday's game. We'll give you a few of what you need to hear from Friday and Saturday. Friday, the Bulls fell behind 4-0 early on. Both Orion Kirkring and Brad Lord just gave the Bulls five innings. It's strange perception because Ethan Brown was their Sunday starter and They were hoping for five from him. They were expecting more from the first two. It turns out everybody pitched exactly five innings. But unfortunately for Kirkering, it was all in sort of salvage mode after he gave up a four spot in the very first inning. Bulls found themselves having a play come back right from the start as the doubles hitting machine. They came in fifth in the country in doubles. And Luis Aviles, who is their tremendous number two hitter, entered the game having risen his batting average by more than 100 points over the previous eight games, all after he turned his hair blonde. Well, he doubles. Brady Marguette was hit by a pitch by Corkering with two outs. It was just Avalis on third base at the time. Then a wild pitch scored the first run. Another double, Jackson Lynn, who's been swinging a hot bat, makes it 2 to nothing. And then Trevor Minder, who's their lighter-hitting shortstop, of course, doubles, scores another run. And it was 4 nothing before you could settle in, and it just didn't feel good, especially with Grant Siegel, who came in with a 1 ERA and was cruising along. Two outs, no score, second inning. Nelson Rivera, who I'm fairly confident has never had a game with two infield singles, got the first, and then the Bulls got back into it. Son. Still in the eyes of the broadcaster, but no longer in the eyes of any of the players. And the wind is starting to die down just a little bit. Maybe good timing for Marcus here. We'll see. He just got one home run his freshman season. As I'm saying it, he drills that ball deep to right field. And indeed, it's out of here. How about that? Every now and then, I call one. You call that one right off the bat if you're Marcus Brodell. His second home run for the kid from Dunedin. And it's 4-2. to two. Guess I should have predicted more home runs. Bulls would then score two in the top of the third to tie it. Carmine Lane, who had the three-double night on last Tuesday against UNF, had three hits on this night. Started it off with a double, went to third on a pass ball, which means he was coming home on Drew Brutcher's deep flyout sack fly. There were a lot of deep fly balls hit by the Bulls on Friday and Saturday in the two losses. Roberto Pena gets hit by a pitch, steals second, Then Tulane helps out with an error. They wouldn't have any other errors on the two victories, but it did lead to yet another deep fly ball out, being a second run and a tying run in the inning. Darren Cantu drove it in. However, Orion Kirkring gives it right back. A one-out walk to Minder, and you guessed it, a double by Jared Hart. Later, a sack fly of their own makes it 6-4. to The Bulls... Got some good relief pitching by Nolan Hootie. Siegel is pulled after six strong innings. They bring in a reliever. He walks Drew Brutcher on four pitches. And then with two outs, Darren Cantu walks. In comes their third pitcher, Lane Thomas. Rivera's second infield single loads up the bases. And then this. And now with a real chance. Tying run at second. Doesn't have to hit a home run. Just hopes to even up the score if he can. Ooh, drills that ball. Will it get past Harden in center field? No. Golly, oh yeah. Second baseman out there, Engelhard's jumping up and down saying, yeah, we got him. You got lucky. 
That ball was drilled on the first pitch by Brodell. Sheer speed in center field by Hart. Keeps this two lane, not only in the lead, but if that gets by him, well, Rivera at first, maybe doesn't unload the bases, but definitely keeps two lane in the lead. My goodness. Great job by their center fielder and the freshman from Dunedin. Nearly, he's already been the hero offensively, became a big time hero there. I mean, he absolutely destroyed that ball. Now, later found out that essentially Jared Hart makes those catches look routine all the time. They just rip your heart out when you see them happen to your team for the first time. They call him the vacuum. And that's exactly what he did there. I mean, it was very impressive. And so was the fact that the Bulls didn't hang their heads because this is how the next inning started. That pitch was caught in left field. I don't know if that one's going to get caught. Deep to left, and does it get over? My goodness! Yeah, the wind is not as howling, but Matt Ruiz, wind or not as much wind, makes it 6-5. to five. Ruiz goes deep for the third time this year. And the Bulls were back within a run, and after that, a single, a two-out walk, but then Jared Eaton comes on to pinch hit and strikes out on three pitches to their closers, Activito, the kid from Newsom, who came on right after the Ruiz homer, and he would come back out with a three-run cushion as, well, this sums up what happened in the bottom of the eighth. Aye, aye, aye. I believe that was my reaction, my expert analysis, after the second of the three errors the Bulls committed in the eighth. The first was actually on a swinging strikeout where they made Hart look terrible, but... Rivera, as the ball bounced off his chest protector into the field of play, threw the ball away. The other two errors were on failed pickoff attempts. The Bulls had five errors for the game. As a matter of fact, they had more errors in the first two games than runs scored, which is never a good thing. They were hitting the ball. Didn't help that Carmine Lane started off the game with a single and immediately got picked off. And then when he singled to start off the third, the first of many wall ball catches. Carmine Lane at first with his second hit of the day. Two of the Bulls, four. Brutcher jacks that one to center field. Going back on it. Still going back his heart. He will slow down at the track and slam into the wall with the catch. Come on, kid. We get it already. Gets an actual hug from his left fielder, Lynn, and a standing O for many. I mean, Drew Brutcher hammered that ball. Again, deep, but Lane's in the vicinity, and will it get over their head? Nope. This time the right fielder, Ethan Groff, makes a great catch. They're a great defensive team, but they could just, you know, just to change it up, drop one. They're not doing it. They refuse to do it. Third appearance out of the pen after five starts, and indeed, Brutcher hits one hard, going back on it is heart, and he just easily makes a catch at the track. I mean, when I say easily, relatively speaking, that was not an easy play, but he is just supremely fast, and he indeed is a vacuum. And there's a line about vacuums, but I won't say it. But that's how we're feeling right now. We go to the bottom of the eighth, and it's 6 nothing. They got another good pitcher going tomorrow, another freshman, Michael Massey, and the Bulls will probably go with Ethan Brown and try and piece it together. So if you're too late, ooh, that ball is destroyed to right field, but naturally Groff is going to leap up at the wall. And get cushioned to end the game. So that is the most fitting final out you'll ever see. Absolutely destroyed pitch by Jackson Mayo. And Ethan Groff casually hits the catches the ball at the wall. 
And actually, you see their head coach, Travis Jewett, almost with a little bit of apology. He kind of pointed out there to right field as if to say to Billy Mole, hey, man, you guys hit the bleep out of the ball, but it was just one of those days. Man, they certainly needed their luck to change on Sunday. With that in mind, Billy Mole went with a different look to the starting lineup with Roberto Pena and Ben Rosenblum had started every game, both out of it. As he told me in the pregame show, just guys that are putting together better at-bats, he's tired of seeing guys strike out. So Joaquin Monquet got the start. Nick Gonzalez, we definitely should mention the bat that he swung over the weekend, also was very good in this game. And they got, as I said, something to go their way early on. Odell goes the other way with it. Could stay in play. Baumgart from left field. Oh, and it's going to fall into the field of play, and it bounces out, and the Bulls are going to get a run out of this. What a bloop. I didn't even think for a second that that had a chance of landing in foul ground. And the wind is blowing, as I said, out, straight out. I have no idea how that happened. There's maybe the start of something special because that will go down as an RBI double, but it was a bloop of all bloopers. It's the first hit of the day and the Bulls will take it. Wind was blowing out, but also a little left to right, and that's the magic that the Bulls needed. However, Tulane, of course, they're in comeback mode these days. They would start off the next inning with two hits, and actually the perfect situation for first and third for Ethan Brown. They got Englehart to ground into a double play. It scored the run, but that was big as far as preventing a bigger inning. And again, the Bulls would score the next seven runs in this contest, but when it was one-to-one and Tulane, which had played what might have been its best game according to their folks all season long on Saturday including executing perfectly and you figured they would you know just automatically steal a base on Joaquin Monkey, right who was 0 for 3 throwing out runners that all changed this was important as well in the third Brown with the runner going low decent throw by Monkey. who did they get him on the backside they did Ethan Groff wants a review and here comes the call out great job second base umpire bulls and the green wave tied at one runner is going so they didn't care and that's another decent throw and they got him again holy cow joaquin monke opponents were three for three against him and another good drop down tag there by the bulls so Tulane trying to get it going on the base paths with Bennett Lee. And incidentally, both pitches were well out of the zone by Brown, but Matt Ruiz bailed out him and Joaquin Monquet. Two caught stealings in a row. And then we go to the next half inning where the fun begins. All strike one, drills that ball and it gets by the left side. Should be for extra bases, Monquet. That ball was in the perfect spot. And how about Joaquin Monquet? A double to start things off. Rodell squibs it to the left side. Monke. Oh, there's a third baseman drops the ball. Everybody's going to be safe. Oh, that was poorly played. Morrow at third base has bobbled all three balls hit to him. And Monke with the leadoff double. Has to be a base hit to score him. It's Nick Gonzalez. Runner is going, and he tags it. That is headed for the gap, folks. I don't think Hart's catching that one. He doesn't. RBI. For Gonzalez, and the Bulls retake the lead, two to one. Rodell heads to third base. Great to see Gonzalez come through. 
And we've been saying it. Got to hit some line drives. And Gonzalez probably the best example of that. He's not going to be a guy swinging for the fences. His 13th hit of the year is his 13th single. Doesn't have had too many leads. Game three last weekend against UCF. Actually had a four-run lead. On a 2-0 pitch, Lane is hacking all the way at a high fastball. That would have been ball three, but he was trying to do one thing with it. Missed it. That's not the one thing he was trying to do. Rodell at third, Gonzalez at first. 2-1 Bulls, one run in, nobody out still here in the top of the fourth. Oh, that ball is drilled to left field, going back on his bomb guard. Could be out of here, and it is! Like I said, swing for the fences. That was the add-on you were looking for, and it's 5-1. Carmine Lane. Ended up going over the scoreboard. The Bulls would chase Michael Massey in the fifth inning, and he was greeted quite rudely. Two and two again, slider, and that's drilled to left field. Going back on it is Baumgart. He's going to the wall, and it's over the wall. Joaquin Monke, have yourself a day. A two-run home run makes it 7-1. Didn't feel like it was over, just felt it was really good. As Tulane got a couple on with two outs, you're just hoping that Ethan Brown can finish that fifth inning for the win, and he did. So no doubt this will be the last inning where Ethan Brown pitches. Let's hope he departs it with an eight to one lead and can somehow get Avilis here. That would be something, two and two to him. Took something off, called strike three. Brown lets out a yell, turns in the general direction of the Tulane bench, blows a kiss to the scoreboard, and I don't think they're gonna have a chance to get to him again. That's probably gonna do it, and what a guy to get for your final out. Nice job, kid. Hey, Tulane was doing a lot of wall slapping and rubbing their blonde heads after big hits and pirouetting after strikeouts on the mound, so the Bulls gave it a little bit back to them. But then uh, Tulane got back into the game. Brown departed, and Devin Hemingway struggled. He also didn't get help from his defense in one case, and you knew we were having some problems. And hits that ball high. Could it stay in play? It's going to stay in play. Can the Bulls catch it? Ruiz going back, and there's miscommunication all over the yard. It is eight to three. Not good. Now the other four hits that Hemingway gave up were all legitimate. Five batters, five hits. He departs. Hunter Mink gives up with the bases loaded after hitting a man. A blast that could have been a grand slam to tie it. Fortunately for the Bulls, it was caught at the wall, and you're like, yes, a run scores, but it's eight to five, and there's our first out. But then this happened. Oh, boy. Drill to left field and a base hit. Two runs will score, and it is a one-run ball game. That doesn't give you an idea of the vibe. You haven't been listening. <laughs> you had to laugh or you'd be crying at that point, but actually in a very dangerous spot where it looked like maybe they would go ahead and send Groff because he's their leadoff guy and five steals to get into scoring position. The Bulls shifted over. Groff stayed put with the red-hot Luis Avilis up, and this happened with one away. Shifted to pull, but gosh, just the way things are going right now for Tulane, I'd be nervous that he just puts the bat on the ball and he goes through that vacant right side of the infield. Actually, right up the middle, could be a take-it-by-himself double play turn by Ruiz, and it is! The best 
feeling you could possibly have after giving up a six spot. Sigh of relief on this end and a standing ovation on two lanes end. Sigh of relief, but remember the conference championship last year when it was eight to seven and it stayed that way? The Bulls were biting their nails through three innings. Thankfully, with the Ryan Kirkring finishing it off, well, this was not going to be that case. There's just no way Tulane was not going to, if it stayed 8-7, win the game. Fortunately, the seventh inning happened. And really, there were two away. Nick Gonzalez, who had three hits, singled. But they bring in a freshman, Chandler Welch. He strikes out lane. So, Drew Brutcher was down 1-2 with just one runner on base and two away. Man, did the inning change with two walks. Brutcher didn't really see a good pitch to hit. They were being careful with him. And then Matt Ruiz also was down one and two. Again, two outs. So it was close to being indeed. Let's go to the bottom of the seventh, eight to seven, and two lanes got all the momentum. Instead, a chopper, a swing and a miss, and a head first slide into first started off a very critical three spot. In fact, we'll give you the rest of the game's highlights. The three spot. Part of Hunter Mink's outstanding four-inning save. And then a little tack-on blast in the top of the ninth as the Bulls end up winning it 13-8. But we pick it up at 8-7 when it was still anybody's game. Swung and a miss. Slider tailing away. Nice pitch. You can just hear it. Tulane is, this is a really good ball club. And they've got a good crowd supporting them. And, they're all into this game. Mayo got to defend here. Bases loaded, one and two. Here's the pitch. Chopped high, and it's going to get deep and short, and it's going to be a base hit. Infield hit. We will take it. Nine to seven. It's been about an hour since the Bulls scored a run. So Pena behind 0 and 2 on two curves. Can't check a swing with a fastball, but it gets away. Can he get to first base in time? He will. Couldn't make the play at home. They had to make the tag, and what a break. Welch, 1-1. And it's drilled. First baseman fields a play. He's going to have to beat Cant to the back. Actually, a flip, and Cant is safe. He dies face first, and he beats the throw. 11-7. Did he check his swing or not? They're going to check down. First base, and they say he went. Some close calls going the Bulls' way. Travis Jewett doesn't agree. He's the head coach. He's all hacked. You know what I say about that? Too bad. Mayo 0 for 4 today. That tapper, though, made contact with the bases loaded and beat it out for an infield RBI single. Oh, destroys that ball to right field. Will it stay fair? Going back on it is the right fielder, and it's out of here. Home run. That was destroyed against their closer. Guess he likes being in safe situations better. It's 13 to eight. Jackson Mayo opens up a can there. And hopefully opens up the beginning of a turnaround in the Bulls season. They're yes, one and five in conference. They play Tuesday night against FGCU. We'll start our broadcast at 545. Then Memphis comes in. One and five in the conference. They had a wild situation in their series with UCF on Sunday. There was a pine tar incident. We'll talk more about it on the conference show around the American Wednesday. But that's going to do it for this extended version of Bulls Beat exclusive here on USF Bulls Unlimited Unloaded.